Welcome to the Nerd Normie Podcast. I'm a big film nerd, Everett. And I'm Emerald, and I'm engaged to a nerd. On this week's episode, we will be covering two new movies. First up is The Boy and the Heron by Hayao Miyazaki. And the second is May-December, directed by Todd Haynes. Uh, For both of these movies, we will do non-spoilers and then spoilers. There will be time codes in the description below. Let's get into it. Mahito. So, you made it. Boy and the Heron is the latest film from legendary director Hayao Miyazaki, uh, produced by Studio Ghibli. Um, and it stars, at least in the English voice cast, which is the way we watched it, um, it's got Robert Pattinson, Christian Bale, Mark Hamill, Florence Pugh, Willem Dafoe, Dave Bautista, a whole bunch of famous names in a bunch of small roles, uh, and Robert Pattinson as the Heron from the title which is wild his voice is crazy yeah it's uh it's a very interesting voice he chose (laughs) to go with and i can't wait for like behind the scenes stuff to come out that shows him doing the voice in like a video because i I tried to picture it and i just could not picture that voice coming out of him yeah um so if you are familiar with miyazaki movies this follows a lot of the same patterns and tropes i think in a lot of ways the visual style is incredible the um i think there's a major issue however in the structuring and flow of this movie um though we've had some interesting conversations about how old you are when you watch a miyazaki movie and how that changes your perceptions of them uh, there were a lot of kids at our theater and I think they really enjoyed it and I could see them really like latching on and this being kind of this generation spirited away or Princess Mononoke or one of his, you know one of his other big famous movies but I've only ever watched them as an adult and I watched them all as a child so I really really like a lot of the, like that like spirited away is like one of my all-time favorite movies and I don't see the nonsensical part of it really because i just grew up on it but he doesn't really he thinks it's kind of just random and weird so yeah i think this movie to me follows a lot of what spirited spirited away does um in that you know a character just kind of happens across a place that place happens to transport them to another world they then happen to meet people along the way who tell them different weird things. And then they meet somebody else who's not really related to anything that's been going on so far. And then the movie's over. Yeah. Um, I don't think Spirited <laughs> Away is like that because I watched it when I was little and I loved it. But this one, it does feel like that. It's just very random and doesn't seem to follow an actual There's no story. cause and effect. Yeah. It's just, yeah. It just kind of happens. Yeah. Um, And that being said, like, I do love some of Miyazaki's movies. I have, I do really, really like some of them. I do find others to just be kind of visually interesting and weird and fun, but not exceptional. And I would put this in that category. Yeah. It just didn't really click with me. It wasn't one that I loved any part of particularly um but it was fine yeah um i will say there was some really strong visuals in this particularly around like fire 
that were really impressive. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's not so visually astounding compared to his other films that it is worth seeing it on that basis. But if you really love Miyazaki, I'm sure you won't be disappointed. All right, we're going to head into spoilers now for The Boy and the Heron. Um, so basically this follows a little boy, Mahito. Um, he, this is set just after slash during World War II. Um, and he loses his mother and his father moves them out to the countryside to open a factory to build parts for fighter planes. And impregnates and marries his dead wife's sister. Gross. Yeah. And so Mahito doesn't really know this explicitly, but then he like kind of catches them kissing one night and stuff. Um, but basically, he's a boy who's lost his mother. He, they move out to this amazing home in the countryside. Beautiful house. Love to live there. With a bunch of random <laughs> old women who hang out there, question mark? I don't yeah, know. They I were, guess they work there? They were like the servants. Yeah. Like the groundskeeper and the cooks and the, you yeah. know, because there were some old men and stuff who were, did other jobs and stuff, but it focused a little more on the, the older women. Um, and then there's this big mysterious tower that's supposed to be blocked off and then a heron that flies around and slowly starts to look more like a man as it has teeth suddenly and then a nose under its bill uh, and keeps trying to convince him to go. And then suddenly, for whatever reason, one night, the aunt who's pregnant just wanders into the woods and disappears. So the boy runs after her and him and one of the old ladies that you all you know about her is that she likes tobacco. They fight the heron and end up transported to an alternate reality other existent plane of existence where she's a young sailor who doesn't remember him because it's a different world and he has to apparently find his new mother slash aunt yeah and so he kind of just journeys around for a bit he finds these weird pudgy things that are really cute and float off into space and are apparently unborn children yeah uh but pelicans eat them from time to time uh and then this lady who can shoot fire shows up on a boat and goes hey come with me now and i knew immediately that was his mother yeah um and so it was just like okay yeah that's gonna be a reveal but it's his mother when she's like a child like his age yeah and has magic powers and his great-grand-uncle is, like, the controller of the world who keeps it going by stacking blocks sometimes. It's just very odd. But the funniest part is that there's a bunch of weird, stupid, giant parakeets that want to eat people, and they are fun. But besides that, it's just weird and random. Yeah. And he goes from, like, not wanting to acknowledge the fact that his mother is dead and he's living in this new place suddenly with a new woman who wants to be his mother to calling her mother and being like loving her and wanting to take her home it's very weird and there's no character growth to get there i don't know it just it's weird and also the heron is supposed to be like his guide through all this but he's absent for like half the movie yeah so the heron is just a weird antagonistic man in a heron suit who can turn into a heron sometimes and then he gets told he has to be the guide and so he doesn't really want to and so there it's like a weird he is but he isn't the guide and whatever 
Um, and then, like, yeah, the parakeets are this whole, like, civilization that's kind of... They have a king who they're trying to get negotiate better terms with the grand uncle guy so that they can live life. So it's almost like a commentary on, like, class or immigrants or something. But, again, they're in, like, five minutes of actual story as opposed to just chasing around being funny. So I don't really know what that was about. Um, and then they have these, like, weird talks about the universe and yeah I, I actually i didn't mind the whole balancing the blocks to build like that kind of abstract yeah but thing. you like weird abstract things yeah. like that that just to me was just like okay <laughs> yeah it was just like a you know he found a way to build a universe by stacking gravestones in a very particular way um but they were filled with malice and so things kept going wrong and they were nearing tipping so he wanted to bring this young boy to purify the world with his innocence but he chose a boy whose mother's died and is full of anger and yeah so but instead he just lets them all collapse and the whole world dies at the end yeah and the parakeet <laughs> king who shows up for the last five minutes of the movie literally destroys the world by getting mad and slamming them and stuff and so it's just like yeah and none of it follows through none of it flows or makes sense I just... And then almost immediately after, they move back to Tokyo, so it's just like a pointless, weird thing in his life. I don't know, it's just... And they tell him, like, oh, you're gonna forget this, which, again, is very My Neighbor Totoro, spirited away, only children can remember kind of stuff that happens in Miyazaki movies. But again, like, at least with those ones, the characters learn or do something. And this yeah. one, he just gets dragged around places, and then it ends. Yeah, so it just wasn't really for me. <laughs> but what would you rate it? I'll give it a 6 out of 10. Yeah, I'm between, I'm around a 5 probably. It just didn't click for me the way that most of his do. Yeah, I think, I do think like kids could really like and latch on to this one. And so, yeah, I don't want to be too hard on it because we're probably not 100% the intended audience but also this one's PG-13 yeah there's he's like going... gushing blood out of his head in one part yeah, of it he's clearly going a little more like the Princess Mononoke a little more grown up route with it that being said it is still a kids movie but yeah I don't know yeah was a little disappointed super excited but is what it is I'll be your guide <laughs> What is this place? This world is filled with the dead. I know it's a lie, but I have to see. Uh, Alright, this week I picked May-December because people on TikTok said it was good. <laughs> and I agree with them. Yeah, I liked um, it. I thought it was fine. <laughs> uh, it's kind of based off of an actual, like person kind of based off of Mary Kay Letourneau um, and how she seduced a young boy and then they get married um, and it kind of just follows that general outline but in this one an actress is meeting with them to learn more about her so that she can play her in an upcoming movie and this takes place 20 years after the original event happened and after they rose to fame but you know in a negative light 
Yeah, and um, I think that is a really interesting framing device to have this person coming in trying to learn to be and understand the character that is that person is interesting. Um, I am a big fan of like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is a whole movie about observing someone and stuff. I think it's a very interesting topic. And so using this lens of an actor coming in trying to learn all the little like down to the speech pattern and the body language as well as the events that happened before and after in her life um, is very interesting where this movie goes wrong in my opinion and what stops it from being truly amazing is that because it's got this actor person coming in she has a whole life and existence of her own but we can't quite get enough into that because we're busy trying to learn this other lady but because we're trying to learn this other lady through an actor we don't really get to spend a lot of time with them and also the actor lady sucks she's a bad person (laughs) and she's weird yeah which like could be a thing but again we don't know enough about her and it doesn't uh, like there's not a clear indication of any long-term effect of these couple days interviewing the woman so it's a little like there's not enough one way or the other whether it's you know about more about the family and the actor's just there as like an audience surrogate no because she's too active a role in this but if we're going to be following an actor studying a tragic and disturbing story it's you know there's too much going on and too much like it shows us too much of the inner lives of the family that is irrelevant to the actor for it you know like those scenes should have been spent showing us more of natalie portman or show us less of natalie portman and more of like the father and his children yeah um but yeah i thought it was fine again it's another movie that if you asked me in a year what i thought of it i would forget that i watched it (laughs) I, I think it's better than fine. I do really think it's interesting and fascinating. It is disturbing without ever really crossing the line, which I appreciated. I think there's a lot of movies that pick these controversial stories or whatever and go too far um, just for the shock value of it. And this didn't do that, at least in my eyes, uh, which I really appreciated it leaves you feeling icky and weird and questioning a lot of stuff because it's a really icky weird topic but i think it's done very well right oh and i do not like the choice it's all very grainy looking like just the way it's shot i think they might had some sort of like mist filter thing over the lens so all the highlights bloom really strong And then if you look at any, like, the sky or any shadows, the amount of grain, like, squirming around in it, I think is supposed to make you feel uneasy and squirmy, but to me was just messy and distracting (laughs) and very, yeah. So I I would not have chosen to shoot it that way, but to each their own. All right, moving into spoilers for May-December. This follows, as I said, um, a woman who 20 years ago she was working in a pet store and she hired a 12 
or 13-year-old boy as like a part-time employee and was found having, if you can call it an affair, I guess, quote-unquote, an affair with this child. Um, So she divorces her husband. She already had two or three kids with him. Um, She goes to jail. She finds out she's pregnant and has a baby in jail. And then when she gets out, they get married and have twins after that. So he's literally has three children by the time he's old enough to graduate high school, which is just so icky and so sad. And he just wants to raise butterflies and live his life. And he just doesn't know who he is. He's never, there's like a scene where he smokes weed with his son and he's never tried it. Like he never got to go out and experience any of this stuff. Um, and it's just really sad because he had his whole life like stolen from him and in like talking about it more and bringing it up again, he's realizing how much he had to lose now that he's going to literally have an empty nest at 36. He's 36 and his (laughs) children are in college. You know what I mean? Like he's the age where most people are deciding to get married and have kids and he his are already grown so he just doesn't know what to do yeah he should be crying that oh my gosh they're gonna be a first grader they have to go on on the bus for the first time yeah but no it's literally i'm sending my final kids off to college yeah his oldest kids already yeah (laughs) and so it's just sad and he's like coming to these terms that like his whole life was stolen from him by this woman who should have known better because he's the age she was when they got together. And that's just, it's just really sad. And that's, I thought it was going to lean more into that because he'd been talking online with this other girl who liked to raise butterflies. And I thought maybe he was going to be with her or just, you know, leave this woman at some point, but he just doesn't. And she's just psychotic. Like, he, she, he tries to talk to her about anything and she immediately has a breakdown and freaks out and makes him apologize because she will not take any credit, not credit, but any responsibility for what she's done to him. And then this actress comes in and sleeps with him and leaves because she's stupid and icky. And I just, I don't know, it just didn't, yeah. it was icky. <laughs> yeah, I think there's the whole Natalie Portman thing. Again, I really like the framing device of having the actor come in and trying to learn the mom's mannerisms and about her. Um, and yet, like, she is too antagonistic and too psychotic in that she starts using like speaking with a lisp like the mother does by the end of the movie she starts you know wearing her hair and her makeup like her before they're even at the movie it's kind of like the whole method acting nonsense stuff um and so like i get that but then she like is clearly going too far she's pushing the boundaries she's starting to almost like she goes and volunteers at the local school like because she's there and oh i'll give some of my time back to the community and talk to like their theater group or whatever but then she starts talking to high schoolers about sex and how having sex scenes in movies is like having real sex which is not true and it's icky having directed intimate scenes before and worked with an intimacy coordinator who is very prolific in the New Zealand film industry and stuff. You've probably seen a bunch of stuff she's worked on. Uh, It is not like that at all. And 
it should not be portrayed that way because that's how you get in bad situations is when people think what they're seeing on screen is real when it completely is not and she also spins it to like kind of flirt with the boy who's asking the question and stuff and then later as we said uh with the the husband she starts like flirting with him and egging him on because she she starts like talking like oh i kind of see what she sees in him and i want to know what it feels like to to be with him or whatever and then she actually goes and sleeps with him and then like after he thinks it's this whole like oh you're actually falling for me or like we have a connection kind of thing and he just has no concept of the real world and this and for her she's like no it's just research yeah and she's like this is just what grown-ups do like and that's just ooh, it makes me so <laughs> mad because i don't know it's yeah. just so hurtful and i just wanted him to have some redeeming ending and he just doesn't get it yeah and it's so sad yeah i yeah and so and then she goes back and the movie ends with her performing one of the scenes where she's seducing the boy at the pet store um for the movie and like she's getting really into the scene and but like at the same time nothing she does in that scene goes too far for the actor but then like the director after a couple takes is like sweet we got it and she's like no 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 can i please i'm finally finding it can i have another go or whatever and he's like yeah okay um and so they keep going but i thought an ending for this movie was going to be something like, and it maybe it would be a little too cheesy, but something along the lines of after this, the movie comes out and an article comes out about her having inappropriate relations with the boy who plays the son in the movie or something like, like kind of, you know, if you let yourself be enamored by evil and almost like, you know, every time someone's like, why do you want to play someone like this? She's like, oh, she's so interesting and complicated. And it's like almost idol worship to some extent. And I thought that's where the movie is going, but it just never implies that heavily enough. And I think that would have been really interesting, especially in like a year where we've gotten so many like Dahmer things. And like, there's a big conversation in the world right now about serial killers and like the way we portray them in movies and tv shows like dexter and things like that and how it's kind of weird <laughs> that we idolize idolize real killers. <laughs> horrible people um and i thought this was kind of going to be a commentary on that like hey if we continue to just be like no these are really interesting awesome people that we should get to know and let live in our communities you might stray too far um because she's a 36-year-old woman sleeping with a 12-year-old. Yeah. I will give this props <laughs> in the fact that it moved along quickly and I never found myself bored or, like, looking at my phone to check the time. Whereas with the other movie we watched, The Boy and the Heron, I did get a little bored and I found myself, I was like, oh, man, we're in a theater. I can't check what time it is. <laughs> but, like, with this one, yeah. I it was over and I was like, oh, it's over. Yeah, like, <laughs> it, kept, it, like, was moving along and I was like, oh, this is really interesting. It's really engaging. And then it just ends, ends a little soon yeah. from where... And I, you know, you could argue, oh, it's an ambiguous ending or, oh, they want the audience to interpret. No, that's a cop out. But I will say endings are fake. Everyone knows Natalie Portman's a phenomenal actress, obviously. But the scene where she's like reading, she's not like reading it, but she's like acting out this love letter that um, the main woman had written for Joe when he was a kid. And she like acts it out. And it's 
such a like such a well-played phenomenally acted like three minute scene of her just staring into the camera doing this like letter i don't know that was like my favorite scene i think i mean that was really good for me what stood out about natalie portman's performance is the slow adoption of the mother's mannerisms and just like yeah it's it's cool to see it in the movie like the lisp starts coming on stronger and her manners and like blah 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 she starts wearing outfits that are more in the mother's color palette things like this that go along throughout the movie are very like yeah that's obvious but at the same time like movies are not shot in order there's a lot of and so to keep all of this straight and to make it build properly and to really show that like inner workings of the actor taking on these characteristics was really impressive um and so i i would really like to see some award nominations for natalie portman for this one i think it is one of the better performances we've seen this year yep i would agree um so what would you rate it um (laughs) i will give this one an eight out of ten I will give this one a five. (laughs) Both (laughs) ones are fives for me this time. It just didn't have a solid enough ending or a good enough outline for what happens in it. I don't know. If it was like a limited series where they could actually dive into a lot of these other things that they like mentioned but didn't actually it was like unnecessarily mentioned because they never actually went into it but if they did like a limited series like under the banner of heaven they could actually go into all of that and i think it would be more interesting that way and it would probably rank higher for me yeah i don't even know if you need like that much more like as we both said it was moving along pretty quickly and then it just kind of ends i would have been happy to sit there for just another 15 20 minutes to see some of the lasting impact of these couple days we've spent with them. And I think just that little bit more would have moved this film up a lot for me, but still an eight out of 10. How do you choose your roles? I want to find a character that's difficult to, on the surface, understand. All right. Thank you for listening to our episode this week. Make sure you tune in every Monday for a new episode. And if you could follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Nerd and Normie, that would be great. <laughs> and if you're listening on YouTube, like and subscribe. And if you're on audio platform, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out. Thank, thank you. you.